I know. Yeah, I got a real winter beard going. Yeah. Um, it's a man's it's, uh, beard. Yeah. <laughs> it's cold, man. I need, you know, I need a beard. This is my, man, this time of year, man, it's brutal. It's the dog I mean, days. Yeah, it is just cold and getting your kids up to school and out the door. And, you know, you can talk about skiing and sledding and, yeah, great. You know, like this, <laughs> this, <laughs> this time of year is the pits. Uh, it's terrible. It is, you know, actually Haley was pointing out that both summer and winter have their trade-offs. Winter's trade-off is you have to get on all this stuff to wear. And I was saying, you know, summer's so much nicer. You don't have to put on any of this stuff. But sunscreen is the issue. Also. Sunscreen stinks. Yeah. Sunscreen too sneaks up on you every year because it's like you get so just the relief of not, oh, I don't have to worry about hat and gloves and jacket. Yep. And then it's like sunscreen. And then you're like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I've been talking to people about this, about COVID stuff and how all the, the, the people who are all up in arms, who are just with their kids having to wear masks and like, not that to get into the, whatever that whole thing, but like my kids are a nightmare about everything. Shirts, underwear, socks, shoes, hats, jackets, sunscreen, right. Backpacks. Everything is a problem mass they have never i know maybe i'm just lucky and whatever like yeah. they have not said boo i tell them put you put your mask on they take it they put it on they come home they have never said a word about it no my experience is identical like exactly the same i mean <laughs> right my daughter refuses to wear pants sometimes right the pants are a problem they're too tight no chance Never had a fight about masks, really. Never, not once. Yeah. Like it's unbelievable, and not even that. Like when I told them we got to, oh, we got to wear an KN95 now because these are better. Okay, that's the that's the one. All right, I'll put that one on. Like, not complaining about the ma- which it's just bizarre to me. So yeah. then they see all these people who are having such a problem with it, and I'm like, I, maybe your kids are different. But <laughs> I have like I've been shocked at how little of an issue it's been. Yeah, I have a sneaking suspicion that those people are the problem. The adults are the problem. <laughs> Not the kids. No, for the sure. kids don't yeah. care. The adults are the yeah. problem. And my son, I'm telling you, he does not like to get told what to do or take orders. So for him to, to just do this thing willingly has been bizarre. Yeah, same. My daughter adheres to no conventions of society that she does not want to. But the masks, right. Yeah. I wouldn't even say no complaining, but just like, uh, all right. Like, <laughs> it's as little as it gets. Yeah. Yeah. God, my beautiful baby boy, Scott, he's a wonderful, he's my favorite person, but I think he might murder me one day. (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, I wouldn't rule it out either. I've seen him. I've seen him in action. I, you know. You really haven't seen, I don't think you've ever seen his work. Like he, we had one yesterday. Joanna just started bawling at one point. It was like, he just broke her. Like he, he can, he's, he's like a psychopath. Right. He's. I think he's. <laughs> <laughs> what was it over that he broke her? It's <laughs> like some stupid thing. It's it's like a piece of like a a swiffer, you know, one of those. And he was hitting Alice with it and using it as a sword. And then he started hitting Joanna with it, and then so she took it away. <laughs> and he wanted it back so bad. And then we threw it in the garbage. And 
after when I took the garbage out and then he went down outside and we, he was trying to look through the garbage for it. And then he came back up. He wanted us to go down and find it in the garbage and then wouldn't let it go for like an hour. And I mean, screaming like blood curdling screams. Like when you say he went down, like, where, like, like the neighborhood, did he, did he go outside? Yes. Yeah. Went outside. <laughs> did you follow or you just let him go? I let him go. And then I like I was looking at him through the window to make sure he didn't run in the street, I guess. And then Joanna was yelling at me to go down there because obviously he could run in the street. <laughs> you but... can't do anything about it from the window. <laughs> right. But I just like let him cool down, whatever. And then he gets out there, he's freezing. And, and then he was realized that to get it, he would have to dig through trash. And then he just I could see that he didn't really want to do that. So he can't tell little. you to do it. Yeah. Well, I think yeah, I'm gonna give you an A minus right there. Yeah. I think that's that's the grade I'll give you. I think you were letting him learn. I think, you know, he had to realize that he had lost that battle and he had to really confront some hard questions. Like, are you willing to go through trash to win? And he answered no. So I think yeah. you allowed him to answer some hard truths. I deducted some points because, you know, you're you know, Joanna was right. You can't stop him from running the street from the window. Right. <laughs> Just being able to see it happen, I don't think it's going to improve outcomes a whole lot. But You know, they, I read the books. I read various books. And it's like always like don't get sucked into like a power struggle. You know, that's the worst thing you can do. But it's like, okay, how? How do I avoid that? <laughs> <All> you <right>. know? <laughs> Like there's because certain situations get down to just no versus yes, you know, right. and like I'm on no and he's on yes. Like there's no resolving that if he won't let it be resolved. You know? Also, like, you're not really defying or like you're not creating the power struggle. You're not creating the struggle. So how do you avoid the struggle when someone else is constantly creating it? Right. And it's sometimes I have to say no and stick to no and where no yeah. is the only answer. And it's like, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. Not to get derailed. I don't know that the Giants Among Men show needs to turn <laughs> into my son's a psycho happy hour, but um, he's tough. He's a tough boy. Yeah. I mean, it, it is always, it's always comforting to hear other people's struggles with parenting too, because it is easy to convince yourself that, you know, everybody else did it right and you're yeah. just screwing up everything. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but oh, God. yeah, it's hard. Corralling humans is hard, as you know, from your experience now coaching basketball, which I think we should get into a little bit later. Um, OK, sure. But yeah. yeah, corralling humans. Very, very difficult. Very it, difficult. it takes a special type of person. <laughs> it takes the kind of person who can maybe, uh, you know, walk from their truck to a building uh, in a you know, relatively brisk way and, <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, seemingly determined, but also totally uncomfortable. That's the kind of person who knows how to corral people. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think if you were feeling any, if you were feeling good about this change in direction that the Giants have made this offseason, like they went out of their way yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> To remind you that they still don't know what they're doing and right. to take any confidence you were feeling and <laughs> to just throw it in the back of that pickup truck <laughs> and run it over. Like suddenly this guy shows up in this ill-fitting suit, <sighs> seems like a nice enough guy, but I don't know. Nothing happened yesterday that made me like confident. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. So I I don't know that I would go that far. I'm I'm way more optimistic. I'm way more uh I guess unaffected by yesterday. But that video that video was problematic. <laughs> Just, what are you guys doing? But I did see uh I think what's his name? Dunleavy from uh is he NewJersey.com guy? Or I don't know. But no, he's a post now. He used to be. Okay. So he tweeted that, you know, he got the sense that Dable was trying hard not to laugh during that video. If that's the yeah, case, yeah, yeah. and that tracks with how much he seemed to charm everybody yesterday, then I almost respect it. Like, he's even like, this. <laughs> why are we doing this? What are we doing? <laughs> Who is this for? I, you know, right. It's really it's for John Mara. John Mara thinks that that's a cool video. He wants to see it on his Twitter feed. That's who it's for. Right. I mean, it just speaks to John Mara, too. Like, knowing that Giants fans are, like, <laughs> Blue collar, lunch pail. Oh, this guy drives a pickup. They're going to respond to it. But he has no idea how to actually execute (laughs) that. You know, so it ends up just feeling false. And even though Brian Dable probably does drive a pickup truck. I know that's his truck. Yeah, Yeah. right, right. It is that kind of fellow and all of that. Um, They should have put a hard hat on him. That would have been the best. (laughs) If he walked in with a hard hat. <laughs> Again, I think I would have respected it way more at that point. Right. It should have been 4 a.m. Yeah. And he should have had a hard hat on. And then like, that's, that's a work. <laughs> right. That would have been better. That would have been like, okay, this is funny and cool. Like, right. good job. Like, I get it. It would have been better even than John Mara telling the press that they had large Pepsis waiting for them outside. Right, right. Oh, God. Like, right. No one has a sense of humor about it yet. <laughs> right. Because you still haven't proven yourself. In case in right. point, ridiculous video. Do you, why was that? What was wrong with the medium Pepsis? Do you get it or no? Like, because you did it. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. I know. You did it and someone told you that it was a problem. All right. So, right. Brian Dable, you are, aside from yesterday's uh, festivities... Where are you at with the hire? You know, it's weird because it's like, I think it was the guy I thought made the most sense and where I was like, that's who I would have chosen if I were the Giants. It's hard to say that I'm like pumped about it. Like, I don't think it's bad. I, if if we indeed lock up Ken Dorsey and Patrick Graham as the coordinators, that feels like a pretty good team. I did like the Joe Shane hire. I do think he's going to be in charge. Um you know, he seems to be saying a lot of the right things. So overall, I don't think you could be that upset if you're like, I think the Giants did as well as you could have hoped that they would do. But I do think it's, I'm way too, I'm not excited necessarily. So who would have excited you? And it doesn't even have to be, it doesn't have to be even anyone we interviewed or anyone that was even out there as part of the process. But who is like, an example of somebody that would have excited you. I don't even know. It's just like, it's weird. Cause on the one hand I'm, I'm, I'm contradicting myself. Cause like, I do think Joe Shane is going to be in charge. I do think like, he's going to get to like, we're going to get this. Um, like, I do think he's the guy who's going to be accountable one way or the other for successful failure of this regime. And yet, you know, like I was like John Mara's continuing you know, his answer on Daniel Jones, where he was like, 
you know, we have, we've done everything to screw this kid up. We certainly haven't given up on him. Like, we're going to try. Let's put the right pieces around him and then do a smart evaluation. It's just like, I just hate hearing that from him. You know, like, I just would love for John Mayer to just get it through his head that, like, his answer to those questions should be, you know, I am really fond of Daniel personally. I have great affection for him. But, you know, Joe and Brian are going to make those decisions. And, you know, we'll 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 see where where that's out. You know what I mean? Like that's what I want to hear from him. Not like you don't you don't get a point of view on Daniel Jones. You can like him, you can dislike him, doesn't matter. Um and so that just worries me a little. And I so I don't know. I mean, I really don't know that there was a name out there that I would be like oh, this is a home run. Um, you know, I mean unless it was like Sean Payton or something like that. Then I would have been like, "Okay, like wow, all right, the Giants, you know, this is like Right, and it's probably if we get Sean Payton, Sean Payton is too big that he can get overshadowed by John Mara. In other words, he's not coming here if he has to play the Mara game, whatever right, that right, is. Right, right, right. And so that would be, I guess, you're right, institutional change. I guess I just sort of feel like I, it's interesting to me to have confidence in almost everybody but Dable. You know what I mean? And, and why the Daniel Jones thing extends only to him because whatever John Maris said about Daniel Jones, the same probably would apply to Joe Shane. And I would say that, you know, aside from his playing career, I don't know what distinguishes Ken Dorsey or like why, like I really want us to get Ken Dorsey. I really want him to be our offensive coordinator, but it's just interesting. Like you were saying, it would make you feel comfortable if we retained him and Graham and you're happy with the Shane hire, and you think that it's going to all start and end with him, but yet somehow your uneasiness with Dable is also connected to John Mara and his comments about Daniel Jones. Why is Dable the only one who has the Mara stink on him for you? <laughs> it's not even just Dable, but I mean, I, I'm really more evaluating the whole this whole transformation, and so I'm still a little skeptical. I do think I'm a little skeptical of Dable specifically because his track record is a little spotty. Like he has this, he's been around and I do feel like he's getting a lot of credit for this Josh Allen thing. And like, there's this like, look what he did for Josh Allen. It's like, no, look what Josh Allen did for Brian Dable. Like, (laughs) you know, here's this guy no one ever heard of and who like has bounced around the league. He had like one season with Kansas city where he was like fired. I think, you know, like um, he's not been this like hot uh coaching prospect his whole career like i mean he's got a great career whatever but suddenly you know oh he's you know he's not gonna do for daniel jones what daniel jones isn't josh allen like you know could he help him probably like um and the reason i guess i'm excited about ken dorsey is just that like dable gave him a lot of credit and you know i'm totally just reading into like who ken dorsey has been as a player and like imagining that he's one of these, like, probably, you know, he was a he was not the most talented dude, you know, but, like, super smart. Um, obviously played around, like, really good talent. But, like, and look, I don't know. I'm, I'm proud of this. It's his face, man. It's that ill-fitting suit. And he looked like a freaking hobbit getting out of his truck. He looked like an idiot. <laughs> like nobody you know like that mustache is a choice you know what i mean those are choices he's making <laughs> no but you know what though i feel like his look would be so much it's the problem was the proportion of the size of his truck to the size of the person 
and the, yeah, right. The facial hair, the shape of the human is not right. Yeah, because you know you have Joe Shane. They did the same thing really with Joe Shane, but he got out of kind of a uh, you know, kind of a strong looking SUV. He's a svelte <laughs> guy. He was you know really like right. dressed well. And yeah, it was an Oompa Loompa coming out. (laughs) (laughs) Right. This is the message he's choosing to deliver to me. I don't know this guy. I'm being told this is the next coach. He's going to transform. This is the message he wanted all of us to see. Uh, You know, all right. He seems like a nice guy and everybody, and you know, he gets along with people and okay. You know, they had a great offense. I like that. You know, he seems to call a good game. All of it. Here's what I think. I think it's funny because every coaching cycle, you know, some retread gets hired and everybody loves to point out how Bill Belichick failed in Cleveland, even though, you know, failure is, we're really, it's doing a lot of work in that sentence. And they talk about guys get second chances and they do better, but you know, Belichick is Belichick. And most guys who get hired at a new place have the same or worse problems than they did at the first place. You know, that doesn't usually work out like that. Right. Um, but I think that what people miss is that they, you know, they just think like, oh, anyone could be a Belichick and they could hit. I think you are reading a lot of this kind of stuff and maybe it's not surprising, but I think that the idea that Dable is not just some hot new, you know, fancy coordinator who's not totally proven yet. And like, I do think Brandon Staley is a really good coach out for the Chargers, but it is sort of like, you know, it, people started to point it out a little more and more like, on Twitter, he was treated, he would say stuff about football that's sort of fairly common knowledge to a lot of people at this point. And the media would act like, you know, he was Moses coming down with the 10 commandments. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's something to be said about a guy who has, you know, he kind of failed at Kansas City. He was a little better, but not still not great in Miami. You know, worked two stints with Belichick, was really successful coaching in Alabama, and then was really successful coaching in Buffalo. And yes, Alabama and Buffalo were both very talented, but so is Kansas City, and so is San Francisco, and so are, you know, all these teams. They're talented teams, you know? I mean, how much is it Joe Burrow, and how much is it Zach Taylor, and how much is it a combination of the two? I do think that I'm not really concerned about his past because he was never a head coach. He had two iffy stints as a coordinator. Like, he got better as a play caller, right? So at least he's learned from that experience. I do think it's an exciting hire. I think that, you know, he's in his mid-40s. We are in our early 40s. I think I'm a lot smarter than I was even in my 30s, even though there are some hot shots out there that are smarter than me. Now, at 30, I think there's something to be said for that extra 15 to 16 years that Dable has now. I think he's really good with the offense. And I think guys seem to love him. And it doesn't seem like it's just a straight up answer to the last regime. It's like an actual, let's see what happens. I, we're, it's really weird the extent to which we're rebuilding Buffalo here too. Did you see we hired their old line coach today? No. Yeah. So we got Buffalo must be, you know, Buffalo's part of New York. So welcome to Radio Free Brooklyn, Buffalo. Uh yeah, I mean, look, I like and Buffalo did things the right way, right? I mean, they built yeah. the team and then and then like they had they had turned the team around pre-Josh Allen and then Josh Allen was plugged into a team that had talent and and elevated it. Yeah. Um but look, they also struck gold with that guy. Um and nobody would have a lot of people thought that was a crazy pick, you know, and he really worked out unbelievable. Um 
but you know, if the plan is like Daniel Jones turning into Josh Allen, I, you know, I don't think uh, that's going to be I, again. I'm not like I. I mean, of all the people I've heard, like I think they did fine. You know, like they did everything I could have really asked them to do. I, I'm just like. I'm much. I'm looking forward to next year in a way I wouldn't have if, the, if Joe Judge was back. It would have had a real cloud and a stink. And this is I'm going to totally give this regime a chance. But like, am I excited? You know, like no. You know what I mean? Am I like let's go? Let's this we did. You know, let's Brian Dable. Uh, no, <laughs> you know. But am I like yeah? All right. I'm. I'm. You know, I'm looking forward to the draft. It's a new people doing it. Like maybe they'll do something great. I'll be into spring. I'll be into spring and summer in a way I haven't been in a, in a few years, and you know, be looking forward to watching it. But do I? Does this was this a home run? You know, like I don't think so. Okay, I think that's fair. I guess that's fair. I won't call it a home run either, but like double. Yeah, right. Stand up, yeah, they, stand up double to this point. And for who they've been and where they are, they couldn't have done much, you know, much better. And they yeah. probably could have done a lot worse. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, right. I really. They're like not introducing it. Leslie Frazier, right? And then you'd be like, yeah. "Oh my god." <laughs> I do think. I do think. Right, Leslie, or just worse. I mean, worse could have been. Oh, yeah. uh, what's his name? Uh, who's the new Dallas guy? Uh. I'm blanking. What's his name? The offense? Kellen Moore. Right, right. That's who that's who was my nightmare scenario at the start of it. I think Art Stapleton had an article up and on Twitter and just like the the picture with it was Kellen Moore. But he Kellen Moore wasn't really the focus of the article or the number one option or anything. But just seeing it was like, ah. Right. Um I do think Buffalo, I think it's weird. I think they're gonna almost start from scratch on the offensive side of the ball. I think this is actually credit to Dable because it almost seems like Buffalo's reacting as though, all right, well, Dable left. So, you know, he's the whole deal. So we don't need to keep any, so we don't need to elevate Dorsey. We don't, you know, our O-line coach, he can go like, we need another guy to just be totally in charge of the offense. And whoever that guy is, that guy's going to bring in his people to run the offense. Right. So is Dorsey, is this thing um, a done deal with him or it seems like it's still a little bit up in the air, right? It feels like it's still up in the air, but I feel like it wouldn't be this kind of open if it wasn't right. Most of the way there. Right. I could see it though. I mean, you have an unknown commodity. Like if you figure the bills have a super bowl window right now, they're a legit contender every single year you have a head coach that's a defensive guy and you know at least for now you haven't lost your defensive coordinator it makes sense when you're a defensive head coach that you want an offensive coordinator that's just like the head coach of the offense just yeah yeah. he's got that locked down right i think it's possible that for the bills that was dable and now that dable left it's not just about you know the system can run without dable so just promote everybody and hire someone new at the bottom of the ladder i think they might just be thinking like well all right we got to find a new head coach for the offense right right and, and let him just figure because i think it's pretty big news that we got the o-line coach because it, it would just seem strange if dorsey elevated and then probably 
the second most important guy in the offense behind the offensive coordinator is your old line coach, probably even more important than the quarterback coach, honestly. And that he left. I don't know. That seems odd that the Dorsey would stay, but that guy would leave. Yeah, that's true. Well, if that sends up the team in place, I would, I would feel pretty good about the team, the coaching team that we have assembled. I agree. And you're, 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 and you're happy about Graham staying. Um, yeah, I mean, I like Patrick Graham and I think, I I think that would be good for our defense and having them already know it. And he, I think he is an excellent coordinator. I'm I'm with you that like, I wouldn't have been devastated. I wasn't like, I'm not invested in Patrick Graham. I I mean, I have an affection for him, but I wouldn't be like, oh my God, you know, how could we lose him? Like, (laughs) I think it's fine, but I, I would like, I think it'd be great to keep him. Yeah. I respect him a lot. Um, you know, there was some stuff out there about Wink Martindale and I don't even necessarily have any sort of affection or any feeling one way or the other necessarily about Wink Martindale, but I feel like the guy likes to blitz and pressure and, you know, we don't have the talent to do that and we're not going to get it quickly. It seems like, so you kind of want someone like, I'm not saying Patrick Graham can't do that. I just don't think it's a specialty of his. Whereas getting someone for whom that's a specialty would not have been the worst thing in the world. I don't think. Right. This giants philosophy where we're sort of this bend, but don't break thing that we do um, is sort of like, That is your identity on defense isn't like always the best. (laughs) (laughs) It would be nice to play more of an aggressive style. I hear you. Yeah. But same. Uh, I'd be fine with that. But I'm excited to find out who the assistant coaches are, who fills out the staff. You know, are we really just, is this okay that we're just Buffalo South now? Yeah, Buffalo's good. Yeah, right. <laughs> Again, John Mara. This is the world We're bad. you've created. Right. Yeah, this is the world you created, John. Right. We're just living in it. It's not our we fault. We stink, and they're good. So why not be more like them? <laughs> <laughs> well, Brian, speaking of stinking, I just... Uh, tell me how to feel about the Knicks, Brian. I don't know how to feel. Tell me how to feel. I, like, I feel fine about the Knicks, you know? Can everybody just calm down about the Knicks? Like, I get it. It's really disappointing. It's been a very disappointing year. I think I think Julius Randle has is really conspired to make it as feel as bad as it could. Because not only has he progressed, he's been sulking, and he's caused now an issue with the fans and the media, and he's turned it into like a really negative thing where it feels like, oh, not only is he not this like got anchor, but it's almost becoming this like, oh, well, we might have to move him like tomorrow, you know, like it feels like a situation that has to be dealt with. And that is a bummer. But like, we're 24 and 27. We were 25 and 27 last year. And then won nine straight. Now, we're not going to win nine straight this year because February, we have a brutal schedule this month. And we're probably going to be more like six or seven games under 500 by the time this month ends. And and that's going to feel bad. <laughs> but, you know, we're, let's remember what franchise we're talking about here is the New York Knicks. Like, Mitchell Robinson's really coming on. 
We have R.J. Barrett. Obi Toppin is still a very exciting prospect. We got Emmanuel quickly. Quentin Grimes looks like a real player. Um, we've got our draft picks. Um, I think there's going to be some moves to get rid of some veterans. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Alec Burks gets traded so that Cam Reddish can play. Um, and again, the Cam Reddish stuff, like the fans, you know, like, go, uh, you know, put in it. Like, who cares? He's been bad, you know? Right. Like, right. Atlanta moved him for a reason. He stunk this year. They'll get him in. You know, I think they're going to make a trade to probably get him in there. And Burks, you know, I think hopefully Burks plays well the next couple of weeks so that they can move him for something decent. Um, but there's no rush. You know, we have Cam Reddish next year if we want him. We're going to get a look at Cam Reddish. Like, why does it have to be today? Um, you know, Derrick Rose is going to come back so that they can, you know, I still think they, there's a good chance they've got a shot at getting into that plan, which would be an accomplishment. You know, it's okay. <laughs> they're, they're they're they've got manageable contracts. They've got draft picks. They've got some good young players. I'm still look forward to watching the games. Um, you know, the th- the two things that still that have made this season super disappointing is one, RJ has not taken the reliable leap. He's still too inconsistent. You cannot, you don't know what how good he actually is, and it's really frustrating. Um, and Julius. You know, the thing you want to say to Julius is, like, you don't have to be an MVP candidate or, like, second team All-NBA. Like, just cut the crap. Like, act like you care. Stop sulking. Like, step up and just play hard. You know, like, you could have taken a meaningful step back and have everybody still be on your side right now. Like, you are making this as bad as it could possibly be. Why is he doing that? I don't know. What it's is like he's so the wounded. problem? I, yeah, wounded how? What? <laughs> what is her upsetting him? I know, I know. I don't, I don't really get it either. It is weird though. Like the Thibodeau, like he almost is like, like Obi's kind of come on again, and Tibbs is playing Randall like the whole first quarter, like almost doubling down on. You know what I mean? Like, when, where you almost feel like, wouldn't he be going the other way? And, like, I guess he just doesn't want to introduce that. Um, <laughs> right. As a thing. Like, I take Randall out seven minutes into the game and bring in Obi. Like, I've created this thing. Yeah. But, and it's there's already things surrounding them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. That situation has become the worst part of the season. It's, like, the way the fans respond to Obi. And, but you want to be like, Julius, the, all we're responding to with Obi is how hard he plays. Right. He's just he's just constant. He's just whirling up and down the court, and all he's trying to do is make something happen. Like even the way Obi grabs rebounds, you know, like he yeah. goes up and gets those right, things. Like, right, he catches them like around his chest. He's jumps yeah, so hard. Yeah, yeah, and like and then he's racing down the court, and as soon as he gets the ball, he's like, "Could I just explode in a basket <laughs> right now?" You know, yeah. it's like Julius just has this like he's trying to like look cool and like almost nonchalant you know and his passes are like you know it's just nothing crisp and and then when he goes bad he kind of like yeah you know, gets sort of like in this funk he's always going at the refs too i mean i know they all do it but it's just constant with him what is the problem what is so what is, how has he been so wronged 
you're the one who started to suck and you're pissed <laughs> off at us and everybody else i know and why can't he and kemba just find a little bit of chemistry like what is the problem there kemba who seems to be this the nicest guy and you know like why can't they figure out some way to like coexist i don't know i have some sympathy for you know being the only one who doesn't like the nice guy right <laughs> i've been in that role before <laughs> right what are you smiling about over there <laughs> right like, you're not helping nothing's going well like acknowledge reality <laughs> exactly <laughs> so i can see that but i just don't get it with him i mean look we showered you i don't know it's like he just he just woke up to the idea of how fandom works like you right. guys cheered me last year when it was going well. Now it's going bad, and you don't like it. Like, of course right. not. You're not, yeah. our, not my friend. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, right. It's a very transactional relationship. It's unfortunate, but that's the way it is. I know yeah. you're not hosting me at the garden, Julius. You like get my yeah. seat for me and serve me the food. Like, what do you think's gonna happen? Right. But again, I feel like we could have. It's like he could have struggled. Like he could have not been as good. He could like. There's a there's a path where he's not playing so well, but yeah. he's he's still beloved. Like he's turned into this heel, you know, and it's like he's just handling it terrible. Yeah, because you're right. He turned into a heel because he turned himself into a heel. Right. The thumbs down. And just his energy. It's just. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's unfair, but he just seems to bring the whole team down sometimes. Where he lets it bother him. You know, he's just like he's so sad about <laughs> that he's not as good and it's like look you gotta fight through this right i know you're not as good so you have to do something you gotta figure out a way to be at least not let that when you're not shooting well tank the whole team you know like find other ways to to help like how do you think if you're his therapist how is he telling you about, about what's going on yeah about what about what's his complaint about us the fans i don't know that's so true that's a great question like and what are they saying to him are they are they forcing him to look at what he's doing or are they like yeah that's hard you know they're empathizing I right guess. they're probably first <laughs> empathizing then reframing like, right oh, right you know maybe they're booing because they, <laughs> they see more for you you know <laughs> right right yeah like yeah. You know, look, it it probably hurts, right? Like we did cheer him very loudly and everything was great and he's probably feels like I'm doing my best. I'm trying just as hard. Right. And now I'm just not doing as well and like what do they want from me? I'm trying my best. Right. Like the harder I try, the worse I play, the worse I play, the more they resent me and thus the harder I try, the more they resent me. So I'm just that's it. It's just all unfair, and there's nothing I can do about it. Right. Yeah. Well, listen, Julius, we want to cheer you again. We do. We want to. We will, if you're good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it's just best maybe just to be upfront with him. Is to be like, yeah, this is about, this is transactional. When you're good, we will cheer you. And when you're bad, right. we will not. Right. You know, there are certain things you can do for us where you will hit a point where we'll do nothing but cheer for you. But number one, that never happens while you're active. It's just not how it works. And number two, you have not achieved that yet. 
Right. I mean, I think that it's like you haven't or you didn't. One last year was not. It won, I don't know. It's so hard because I did have such a blast last year. But it's like at the end of the day, it was a five game first round exit and then we're gone. And right. so for him to come back, it's like, look, you didn't carry the team for, you know, you're not Patrick Ewing. Well, right. And that's that's pretty much exactly it. Right. Like there are, you know, guys that you make a point of remembering on teams that are special to you or, you know, whatever. They're, you know, they're not the star player, they're not the player that everybody remembers, but they're guys that were special to you, that they were on that team. And you're always going to, you know, kind of remember that. Uh, and then there are other guys, and I think that's the thing, is that the season he had last year elevated him to another category. You're not just like a one-and-done guy or like a unique piece on a, you know, on a bigger team that will always have – you were the guy on a very meaningful team, and that put you at a certain level where you were either going to ascend into the heavens and take your seat on the throne next to the likes of Patrick and, and the, the rest – or this yeah <laughs> you know and you follow right. I mean, but also it's like it's like let's be clear like you have not backed this up and and not been quite as good and we're being unfair you've been bad like right you know that's the difference like you haven't been oh he hasn't been as good as he was last year he's been terrible yeah like he's at, he's he's shooting a career worst from the floor by far He's his three point percentage went from 41. He's down to 30. He's close to being in the 20s, which is where he was for most of his career. So it's he's completely erased that, um, you know, any of those gains. So, like, you know, these are the fewest points he's averaged since 2017. You know, like his assists are down. (laughs) Like, he's not playing as well on defense. Like, you know, his net rating is a negative seven. Like, you know, it's not like, oh, you're not as good as that great year you had. It's like, you're terrible. Right. <laughs> You've been awful. Um, so that's where it's like, all we're asking is like, we there was totally a year where you could dip and, and everybody's like, no, hey, come on. You can't, this is unfair. You can't turn on Julius now. It's like, You've been bad. Now you've caused an issue with the fans. Now there's weird tension with you and your backup. And it's a, it's a messy situation. And you've kind of created a situation where the whole franchise fear, feel that should feel relatively stable. Because it has a good front office. It has a good coach. And now it feels dysfunctional. Right. And it's yeah. kind of all on you. Yeah. He's the eye <laughs> of the storm. He's the centerpiece right. of all this. And you could fix it pretty easily. Like... You could just cut the crap, play hard, do, you know, like almost less is more. And in the human world and and turn it into, a a, you know, turn it into a good situation. Yeah. I don't like him. I know it's hard. It's hard to root for him. It's hard to watch him play basketball sometimes. Um, I asked you this, but like Matt used to say last year, like, you know, it's so easy to root for him because he's such a great guy. Are there great guy profiles of Julius Randle that I just never came across that just aren't part of my Twitter feed? Uh, and I'm asking for real. Like, is that a real thing? Is he just, like, known to be a great guy? Because he doesn't seem like a great guy. Right. Like, I don't think he's a bad guy. But yeah, I don't, right. I don't there's, I, not a, there's not enough to go on to say, like, definitively. He seems to be, like, a good family man, I guess. Like, if that's, that's fine. something that's interest of yours. 
Um, right. I'm not saying he's a, like a villain. I'm not, you know, he's not yeah, out yeah. at night doing nefarious things. But right. I don't know. Am I, am I a great guy? I'm a family man. I, you know, I don't, I don't like betray my family in any way. I'm not, I'm not a bad guy. I wouldn't know that the, like people would be like, you know, the thing about Scott is a great guy. Great guy. <laughs> I don't think I'm bad. <laughs> yeah i mean i found him very i mean look i found him very hard to root for his first year i found him very easy to root for last year i'm finding <laughs> him very difficult to root for this year like it was fun to get behind him last year and he kind of sense felt like he took this whole thing on his back um his teammates seemed to respond to him um you know We'll see. I, I'm not done with this year's Knicks. I, I still think like there's some fun to be had. I do think the next month has the potential to be very sad, like and, and depressing, and and him being worse, and RJ, to, you know, against now we're, we're going to face some better teams. Maybe he's going to look worse. Um, it's going to be some trades of some veterans, and we're going to feel a little adrift. I still think the Knicks are in an okay place franchise wise. Um. And I would caution people from from getting too distressed. With that said, and I agree with you, I'm, we're going to call back to an old segment, NBA Faces. Normally, RJ is someone I would never include in an NBA Faces segment. Because I think, actually, I do think that RJ has a nice face. Yeah. My issue with his face right now <laughs> is that it is a nice face. And on the nights when he's not, it's not one of his nights. And he ha- he is being inconsistent and he's not shooting well. When they show his his nice baby face, <laughs> I'm just like, the babiness of the face makes, because it's like, you're not a baby, really. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're, yeah. A, you're huge. You're athletic, fast, agile, all those things. Do that better. Like, Stop looking like a little kid and making me feel a little bit bad for you because you look like a little kid grow up make those buckets yeah stop making that face right rj does not get another swoon i will say that like n- there's no like and, and look he's been really good the month of january was his best month probably of his career you know yeah um but two nights now he's had two nights in a row that would have been a little iffy he doesn't get another, you know? Yeah. Like, he doesn't get another two weeks of bad play. Like, Yeah. There's only forward now. Like, we cannot go back with him. Right. Like, you are you going to do it or not? Otherwise, like, we got to look, like... And he, to me, is, like, is the key. Because, like, if he's not even anything, it's real trouble. Yeah. yeah. You know? I totally know what you're saying. Yeah, right. I, you know, and you know what's been bothering me about R.J. Barrett? Is free throws, man. Because <laughs> <laughs> now, again, I want your rookie year. It'll start figuring it out. This year, make your freaking free throws. Yeah. Shoot seventy five percent. You're costing like that's those are easy points that yep. you're like, and you get to the line. You're getting to the line a lot, which is good. Like you cannot be shooting sixty eight percent. And that's line. that's such a part of your game is getting to the line. You're really right. good at getting to the basket. Like you got to draw contact. You're big. You're strong. You have to get to the line. You have to make those free throws. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Enough. Enough of that. No so, going back. 
and and none of it, like it's time for him. So am I pushing it, or is now my opportunity to double down and get you to make the same statement about Daniel Jones's turnovers for next season? You're you're how whichever offensive coordinator you're on, whatever head coach you're on, stop fumbling, Daniel. No, I don't care about Daniel Jones turnovers. <laughs> Daniel Jones needs touchdowns. I want like get me thirty touchdowns. Get me twenty touchdowns for Christ's sake. Give me 15, 15 touchdowns. I need production. I, all this focus on Daniel Jones turnovers, I still say is whatever. I mean, not that they're good. I'm just saying like the problem with Daniel Jones is that he doesn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> right. But my point is he doesn't do anything and is still turning the ball over. But he didn't turn it over that much this year. Like to be fair, he had what? He had very few turnovers. Right. That seems to be the only way to stop him from turning the ball over. It's not allowing him to do anything, including play. How many turnovers did he have this year? I don't know. Let's see. Let's look it up. Daniel Jones. How many turnovers did you have, Daniel? Quote, unquote. Let me see. Daniel Jones. I mean, he had seven interceptions. Yeah. And he lost three fumbles. He had 10 turnovers. Right. And 10 touchdowns. In 11 games. Yeah, so pretty much a turnover every game he played. Yeah, but I mean, that's not that's not a terrible total. Right, but I'm saying also when your touchdowns are super low. It's not like even some of Eli's worst years. There was still like touchdowns in the 20s and then maybe interceptions in the 20s also. Right. This is just nothing, nothing. I agree. It's terrible. <laughs> but I'm, I'm much more focused on the production part than the, the – I, I think he can cut down on the turnovers. Like I do think he showed that. He does not throw a lot of interceptions. Um, right, but the fumbles, the fumbles are the problem. He lost three fumbles. Right, lost three. Quarterbacks fumble; they get hit when they're not looking <laughs> <laughs> from their blind side. They fumble the ball sometimes. They get they are in the most vulnerable position of anybody on the field. If they get crushed by a three hundred yard person, they might drop the ball. He needs production. I, I don't disagree that he needs production. He definitely needs production. <laughs> well, Daniel Jones stinks. I mean, what do we? I don't care. Like he's terrible. <laughs> he is terrible. I'm just saying the focus. I'm just like whatever about the fumbles. Just, right. I guess. Right. We can't get him to stop sucking. Maybe we can get him right. to be a little I'm better. I'm just saying you would live with the fumbles if he had 30 yard, 30 touchdowns, and 4,500 yards last year. You'd be like, oh god, those fumbles. But like, yeah, no, 100. percent You would right. live with it. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's fair. That's all I'm saying. All right. Yeah. You got. That's fair. I got that. So, you know, we sit here every week, Brian, and we criticize, you know, everybody in the New York sports scene. You yourself are now a coach in the New York area where the pressure is, you know, sky high. Yeah. Uh, How has your experience been? I'll tell you what. I'm doing a fabulous job, if I don't say so myself. That's outstanding. I have, I mean, I got organized practices. We're doing drills, like... I'm doing, I'm look. I'm going deep on the internet for drills. I did a uh, no passing, no dribbling offensive drill where the kids, you could only pass, you know, but three on three, which yeah. I thought was very unique. I did some fun keep away from coach where they have to dribble and pass, keep away from me. Some tra- chaser drills that I've looked up, dribble tag, going deep. 
and tidy practices. Some drills in the beginning, then we get to some scrimmages, doing a lot of two-on-two, a lot of three-on-three, because I've read that that's important. It is. Um, Yeah. So, you know, it's funny, though. I'm coaching fourth graders, which is such an interesting age to coach, actually, because they're too young for it to be, like, about winning. And everyone should play, because it's like... It, it should be fun, you know, and you want everyone to, and, and all that, but they're also old enough to like, they, they want to win. And it's sort of like, you feel it's like, you sort of want to honor that a little bit, like their competitive juices, like, and they're old enough. They know who's good and who's bad, you know? And it's like, yeah. it is a little bit of like, you know, and even trying to get them to like, I'm trying to just get them to pass to everyone, but it's like telling a kid pass to that kid who they know like can't catch you know what i mean and it's like they might as well just throw it out of bounds and you're like right but they deserve to, a shot to have the ball but it's like right but we're going to lose and you're like right but who cares it's like i care you know and it's like it is tricky <laughs> i want to win you know and you're I like care. how do you both honor a justifiable desire for victory with an age appropriate you know i don't know it's sort of interesting brian First of all, the funny thing about what you just said is that's not the interesting thing about coaching fourth graders. That's the interesting thing about coaching, period. And right. when you pull out a little bit, like not necessarily the specific problem that you're referring to that does uniquely exist in the fourth grade, but, you know, it's sort of funny. And I, and I think, first of all, I think that's great. The drills you sound, you, you have going, I think sound great because to me, they're all just stressing really things that are basketball, but could be applied to any kind of sport. Like passing the ball without dribbling is going to actually be one of the number one problems that you're going to face in an actual fourth grade basketball game. Because the probably the number one thing that happens, my guess is in a fourth grade basketball game is that kids pick up their dribble too early because they're not yeah. experienced enough and they're panic and they pick up their dribble. So oh, being yeah. able to pass without dribbling and having people moving to get open because they know somebody can't dribble is actually a very important skill to foster, specifically at that age, in order to win, actually, um, aside from being useful. So I think that's awesome. I think you're doing a great job. It sounds, it sounds I'm really proud of you. I think that sounds really great. <laughs> but, and not to diminish that at all, I will also say that's kind of the easy part, where there's so many resources out there and and, you know, so many brilliant people have already come up with all these different, and you just got to find good stuff and present them. And that's the other thing is you're a performer. You have a hit podcast, former stand-up <laughs> comedian. You know, you know how to convey that information in a way that's going to be engaging and entertaining and, you know, you're going to have their interest and their attention. And that's the one aspect of coaching that's kind of, it's important and you can't not have that part. And actually, I think that's part that's too often neglected. But then the other part of it is, is just managing personalities. You know, whatever, like, and, and as the age groups go, the personalities or the ways you have to manage the personalities change, but you just got to manage personalities. You got kids that are good, that want to win. You got kids that stink. They also kind of yeah. want to win, but they don't want to stink. And right. you're trying to make sure that the kids who stink still have a good time. And you're trying to make sure that the kids who want to win get to win. And that's just like a, you got to balance that out. Yeah, a whole way through. And that's going to be something that you're never going to have figured out. It's always every week you're going to have to move things to one side of the scale or the other. To That's where the real and actually in uh, a football life, the Jimmy Johnson uh, football life. 
him and, and uh, Bill Belichick have like a really great conversation about that, about how it's all, you know, at that, once you get, once you're the top guy, it's all about managing everybody's personality and making sure that they're at the, you know, kind of optimal level for them to perform at. Right. Yeah. I mean, it is hard. It's like, there's some kids you like and kids you don't like too. And you yeah. they can't, they can't feel that, but <laughs> But I'm like, that's part I'm not great at. There's, I'm like, <laughs> I don't like this kid. <laughs> I bet you're better at that than you think you are, probably. Yeah, well, it's just funny, too. That's interesting. Like, there's kids who aren't good who you then, you do, like, who still throw themselves into it. And you're like, I like those kids. Like, yeah. I got a couple right. who are like, they're not good, but they're out there. They're rebounding. They're, like, trying their best. And that's, like, that's great. Um, and then you got kids who are just trying to, like, avoid anything happening you know you know what the worst days of coaching are and and you'll know it you'll feel it is on it it's a day where you need your best people to be at their best and they are not and you need them to be and they're really not and that kid who's not very good but really throws himself into it him or herself into it is really excelling on this day and all you are is irritated at them because it's all well and good that you're trying so hard today, just like you do every day. And we need that. And we love that. And everybody respects right. that. But I don't need you to be good today. I need them to be good today. And you being this good today is only reminding me of them not being good today. Right, and right. That makes me very annoyed at you. Right. That, that happens. And it's a terrible feeling because you resent somebody who is really giving you their best. Right. Well, I am worried about, I'm nervous about playing time and how to who to keep on you know get, getting the right mix on the court just so that like they can function out there but that everybody is having a good time yeah um i'll say and- though that the kids who who you know most of the kids you don't want out there are going to get out there and realize that they don't want to be out there either. Right, right. And then, <laughs> and then, you know, they'll get, they'll have their opportunity to have been out there and you'll pull them. And then once they're off, they're going to be like, Whew. right, right. Oh, man. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. And they don't want the ball either. Like, you're right. It's like, right. Get her the ball. Like, I don't know. Don't give me the ball. Um, yeah. Well, it's just, it is weird. I don't know. It's like, because they are at an age, like I said, where like, they know who's good and who's not either. And you're kind of trying to like, you're almost gaslighting them of like, what do you mean? We're all one team, you know? And it's like, no, I know. I can't pass it. Pass it. She's open, you know? Like, I'm not passing it over there. <laughs> <laughs> I might as well just hand it to the other team. <laughs> You know, then you've got two other kids, like, there's a lot of irrational confidence. There's kids who, yep. like, think they're great who aren't good. And you kind of, like, you're like, you know, look, you you know, that's a lot of dribbling you were doing. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any other, like, are there other adults there that are with you? There's been another dad helping me um, who is, and then I think he's he can't make it all the time, so I'm going to have to find some other guys. Uh, there's some who there's dads who have come up to me who said like I I, I can help out. Oh God! Um, if it's like a Saturday, I would love to come just help you. <laughs> just, just like the other dads want to help, and you're just like, well, I have my friend. We I have. have- <laughs> <laughs> we host a podcast together. He's going to come. Right. You know, it is funny though because it's like. I don't know how much, you know, I think this guy's been super fine to just let me like do everything. Like, I don't think he wants, but then you're like, you know, I don't, I'm not like Pat Riley, you know, like if you have an idea, like feel free to like 
you know what I mean? If you've got a drill you want to do, like, go ahead. Um, but then I'm, I'm, I'm assuming he's probably fine to just, like, he just gets to show up. Like, why would he want, like, he can't be desperate to, right? Yeah, I mean, or, look, I, I coach my daughter's uh, softball team. And, you know, I, I look, I am a, I'm a gym teacher. Like, I'm a professional at right. getting kids involved in games and keeping them active for right, extended right. periods of time. And I had a lot of suggestions and nobody really wanted to listen to me. Right. And, and then, but then when we would break up kind of into smaller groups, usually the dad who was with me was like, oh, cool. This guy. Yeah. <laughs> He's got whatever. Right, fine, right. You know? That's what I would do. But, you know, there were other dads who weren't like that. And and, and it's just like, it wasn't really about me. It was just right. about like, whatever. Some of them were like afraid or just like, if somebody else, that's better. And, and some of them were just like, okay, gym teacher, I, I got this. I, you know. right, right. right. And so, you know, if that guy is staying quiet, like, I think if that guy wanted to be more involved, he would probably have some things to say. Right, right. I think you're right. And if he doesn't, then what am I, you know, I can't do anything about it. Right. Because I'm yeah. going to speak up. Yeah. By the way, have you bought Blood in the Garden yet? No, I was going to do that today because I'm off today. Okay. So you need to because we, I know. Need, to, we need to dedicate a program to. Yeah. And I've, I've seen you and Matt talking about it and it does seem like it's just, it's not even, you don't have to like get settled into it. It's just right oh. up with the action. I mean, it'll, you'll finish it in, in a, you know, two days max. Okay. Like maybe three. All right. You'll blow through it. And it is, it's, it's devastating. <laughs> God. I don't know that it's, I want It's that. like, it's almost worse than you remember. Like, it's just like oh, how close we were. Like, you know, all how could it be worse that, than I remember? <laughs> all the things that could have gone our way that didn't, you know, um, just how much we were right there. Just the, the finality of it that. You know, it's over. We can't do it again. Right. We'll never be, we'll never go back. We just didn't, it didn't happen. Yeah. We didn't win. Yeah. That's a better pill. It is really, <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll feel it. Oh, well, we'll all be looking and forward we, and to that. Yeah. We need to get into it. We yeah. Need, there is a lot of interesting stuff there though. Okay, good. All right. That'll be fun. All right, Brian, that does it for this week. See you next week, Brian. All right, until we meet again.